<clears throat> All right, hello everybody. This is Norwood Free Methodist Church. I am AJ, and you have caught us on Christmas part one. We're going to look take a few weeks. I think it's, what, three weeks, and then we've got a Christmas Eve. Um, we'll talk about that. I think we're going to do a, a Christmas Eve service, like musical celebration on Christmas Eve. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what God leads us to do. Um, Christmas is a time, too, when people are really open to things of the spiritual. And there's a lot of, t- there's a lot of misinformation going around on Christmas, too. And I'm not here to bash anybody. What? I don't Okay. Christmas. I'm just going to do it. There's three things God tells us to do. He tells us to avoid certain things. He tells us to absolutely do certain things. And the third thing he tells us to do is to redeem things. For example, long ago, someone sat on a mat and they twisted their body and they got more flexible and more limber. Oh, and that's really nice. Then some people took it and started praying to yoga gods while they twisted their bodies. And so some Christians will go, you can't do yoga because it's for that. And in my opinion, that's a time when you redeem something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, other people will pick at it and go, you can't do that because someone perverted it. Can I tell you something? Everything that has touched the earth has been perverted. We can't have kids because there's crappy kids out. Yeah. Sex. Oh, people are doing it wrong, so we don't get, you're going to miss out, honey. There's a proper place to do that thing. Christmas, you'll see people floating around and you'll see people attacking other Christians for celebrating Christmas. We understand that the Yule log is pagan. I know that. Cutting down a tree and bringing it in was for a pagan God. I know that. But you know what? I can look at that and go, the real God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is what I'm going to celebrate and teach my kids. Good, okay? That, now look, if you don't like that, go find another theology, okay? But this is what I'm going to represent to my kids. I don't think Santa's Satan. I don't think so at all. We maybe can cover that. I think we can redeem things back to its rightful place. Instruments, people, whatever. Do you notice that? Everything gets corrupted when it touches a corrupted earth. We don't avoid it. We redeem it back to Jesus and point it that way. Good. That's how we're going to open our series. Very nice. I'm glad you guys are with me on that one. Today, we're going to look back and truly understand what Christmas means to people. I just got done listening to a series uh, from a, a pastor I really like who was talking about how Jesus is always about people. Everything he did was about people. Have you noticed that? Everything he did. I'm hoping this is working. I don't see any audio kicking. <sighs> Hope so. Um, so we're going to look at what it looks like to people. Um, God calls himself a loving father, and a loving father is all about his children. So we're going to look at what was really going on in the Christmas story and, uh, and, and, and see what we can glean out of this. I'm going to look at things at it from a different angle next week. But today I want to look at what happened before it, the story of Christmas, why we parade, why we give gifts, and things like this, okay? All right. So here's the thing. God chose the Jewish people. Today, if you were to go and ask a Jewish person, Who's the chosen people? Everybody knows the chosen people are the Jewish people. But people, have, you, have we ever stopped and asked, what are they chosen for? Are they just the most beloved? Doesn't look that way, does it? Not through their history, it doesn't. In my opinion, he chose the Jewish people to reveal the way he was going to repair things. Th- that's what I'm talking about. Chose the Jewish people to reveal Messiah. And since day one, they've been looking. But anyway, <clears throat> we're going to look at the actual Adam and Eve story. <clears throat> and people struggle with the Adam and Eve story. And that's fine. Today, I'm never asking you, and God never asks you to suspend your doubts. Do you understand that? You ever go to a church where they ask you to not ask questions? Leave the church. Because God can handle your criticisms. God can handle your, well, God, I don't understand that. In fact, if you push through that, God will answer. Or he's not God. 
And I'm not afraid to say that to you people. So Adam and Eve were real people. This is really how it went down. This is absolutely how it went down. But we're going to break it down. Adam and Eve had some sons, Cain and Abel, right? Cain committed the, well, you could call it the second murder, um, but the first person-on-person murder because of some issues he had with a decision God had made. God liked and blessed Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. That's a story for another day about trying to approach God in a way that he never said, maybe on what you do. Maybe God do things my way. Anyway, uh, but after that, let's look at some slides to kick this off. Christmas part one. I'm going to see if you guys can. Genesis 4.13. Sorry, you guys can't read it online. I'll read it to you slowly. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he's going to suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so no one who found him would kill him. Next slide, please. So Cain went out of the Lord's presence and lived in a land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, 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 not a town, not a village, but a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. There are people sitting in this room who think, how in the world could the world have been populated? Because it was only just, eh, bah, bah. but what did we just read? What did we just read? He lay with his wife, didn't say Eve, did it? And he went and built a city, 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 heavily populated. I'm not giving you answers today. I'm trying to say that maybe we don't know the story the way we think. Because you all sat here and go, I don't believe in it because Adam and Eve well, had to do a sleep with their... So you've never actually read it. Okay, cool. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm knocking down our walls to say, here's what we think about Christmas and we think we have all... Oh, wait. We didn't. Maybe we don't really know. That's a story for another day. But I want you to take, like, where did these other people come from? Who populated that city? Who was, who was his wife? And, and listen, God and him are having a conversation. Apparently, there's only two other people, two other people on the planet. And he says, anybody who sees me is going to kill me? All you got to do is go, Adam Eve, don't kill this dude. We're good. Don't need to do the mark. You look it up, guys. I'm not here to spoon feed you. It's your spirituality. But I just, I want to start our Christmas series by going, okay, I'm putting down my shield and my sword and go, maybe I can listen a little bit. All right? That's what we're going to do. So anyway, they were the chosen people all through the book. Now, I'm in the Garden of Eden, not just to mess with you guys and be all snarky, I promise. I want to show you what happens here. The Jewish people were chosen to reveal Messiah, Mashiach, they would say. And they still say that. So God, we all know the angel tells a common girl that a miracle is going to happen in the middle of the story, right? That's the middle of the story. What I'm doing this week is I want to start at day one. I want to show you the first mention of Christmas in the Bible. And I'm going to do this. After Adam and Eve fell from grace by breaking relationship with God, immediately there was a plan to fix what they had broken. And I want to challenge you today and everybody listening online that this is where Christmas begins. It doesn't begin with, hey, guys, shepherds, there's something going down. That's not where it begins. In fact, it began way earlier than that. So here's what we're going to do. Let's look at these slides. We're going to go back into Genesis where I've been. Genesis 3.14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, that can also be translated shining one, okay? It can. That, that's a very close translation. Because you've done this, cursed are you above the livestock and all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life, he said to this creature. Next slide, please. And I will put enmity, hostility, between you, shining one, and the woman, you know, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There we go, okay? What happens if someone's heel gets struck? They probably fall down, 
but they get back up. I want to propose to you today that Christmas was introduced to us in Genesis 3, where the seed of a woman, down the line, a man will be born who will crush you, Satan, and put an end to everything you're doing. He'll be bruised and he'll go down, but three days later he'll rise again. You see what I'm saying? Now, now that it comes fulfilled, you go, oh, all right, looking back. Wow, so a seed of a woman. You wonder why he had to be born a man. Do you understand what I'm saying? It couldn't just be some celestial, like, angel shows up. All right, guys, we're, we're good. Um, I'm going to pay this thing. Had to be man. And all down the line, okay? This is where Christmas starts. John Lennon's saying, and I'm going to quote it every week. So this is Christmas, right? Beautiful guitar line. And what have you done? This is actually Christmas. Christmas was... Christmas is God revealing the fix that he had to bring his children back to him. And again, you might sit there and be, can't feel it. I get it. I spent that that way for years. But I can look at my kids and go, Christmas was God saying, Alex and Izzy, I got to do what I got to do so we can have fellowship and they can be safe with me again. Because you just chose to become your own gods, human beings. And that means you're all going to die. Because there's only one God. And we have to be in fellowship with one another for you to live. All right, so the plan is going to be down the lines, there's going to be one who comes and ends all this. Our God has robbed the grave. Remember when we sing that in Unstoppable God? Oh, yeah, right? Whatever, you don't remember. <laughs> so let's, let's keep going. All right, so that was the beginning of the story. Mary's the middle of the story. Let me fill in the gaps here. This is the fun part where if you've doubted your Bible, and that's totally, again, fine, but don't doubt in an uneducated place. Don't do that. Look into the Dead Sea Scrolls. Look into carbon dating. Look into the fact that we have these documents which verify it. Look into the fact that we found a document that's older than the, 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 the oldest ones we had, and it was 98% similar to what we're reading today, and the 2% was spelling variations and punctuation. The Bible has not changed in thousands of years. And again, if you want to have that opinion, you can, you can do that, but the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that you're wrong. You can go get them in any library. They're found in the 70s in a cave near the Dead Sea. Anyway, so again, suspending our disbelief for a while, what happens after that? Well, 750 years before, before Mary, okay, this guy named Isaiah, God spoke through him 750 years earlier, and he says this, the Lord himself will give you a sign, watch. What's a sign? You know what a sign is. The virgin, one who never, okay, so there's a distinction in the Bible between vir, uh, virgin, woman, and maiden. Some, some of them meant um, no longer married. Virgin simply meant literally pure, unmarried, young, okay, as we would say virgin. Now, literally, it doesn't mean you know, remarried or anything like that. You might have heard it doesn't mean that in the, in the Hebrew. The virgin will be with child. What? And he'll give birth to a son. And he will, and we'll call him Emmanuel. He'll be, earning, he'll be eating baby food when he knows enough to reject the right, wrong and choose the right. 750 years before Jesus, this drops. And you know what? Another thing we got to know about Hebrew culture, when something like this was written, or, or, or it was a very oratory society, Everybody was, everybody was forced to know it. Do you know that? They were forced to memorize it. This isn't one of the things where the churchy people knew it. No, all the Hebrews, the entire nation knew this, knew this, had it memorized. Isaiah spoke for God and said this. You'll know, the sign will be, the Lord himself will give you a sign that should be with child, give birth to a son, and you'll name it. Does anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Let's read that again. So, the Lord will, himself will give you a sign 
we know what he was said in Genesis, and we know we have a promise that uh, the seed, you know, a great, 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 great grandson of Eve, something's going to happen and he's going to repair things. And then Isaiah speaks and says, this is how you'll know who he is. A woman, something's going to happen supernatural. That literally cannot happen unless I do it. The virgin's going to be with child and she's going to name him something because right now in this time period, names meant everything. You didn't just name your kid Bobby because you like Bobby. You named the kid what God told you to name the kid. It was prophetic, right? Yes, the name's always meant something. Emmanuel means God with us. Isaiah just said God's going to touch down on planet Earth again. Awesome, guys, awesome. Don't make me get into four dimensions and the other six got split. Don't make me get into that. We were clothed in, don't, don't make me. But he's saying she's going to give birth to a son and he's going to be called God with you. There's a sign. So that's 750 years before Christ. Now we're going to go to Micah, who this is dated between 750 and 731 BC. Micah 5.2 says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times, the eternal one. So it's gonna, you're going to know him because a woman who's never been with a, a man is going to give birth, and they're going to give him this name. He's going to be God. A couple years later, 20, 30 years later, oh, and he's going to be born in Norfolk in St. Lawrence County. That's what Bethlehem Ephrathah means. That's why we don't sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem Ephrathah. It's like county in town. <laughs> okay? He's now, now we have a dot on a map where this is going to happen. 731 years before Christ Jesus. How about 520 years BC? A guy named Zechariah, he was a prophet. The Holy Spirit was inside of him. And he says this, rejoice, daughter of Zion, that means city of God. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, the city. Your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's, of course, 520 years before uh, uh, Christ was even born. So a man, 500 years before Jesus was born, laid down a rule and he said, this is what's going to happen for this person. He's going to ride in a young donkey into Jerusalem. Not a horse, not a cow, not a camel, not a chariot, but a donkey. But not just any donkey, a young donkey. Matthew, please. We're going to jump into the New Testament when it actually happens. Matthew is a biography of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden it comes true. We're jumping ahead. Do you see what I'm talking about now? All of a sudden... Out of Bethphage, Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his disciples. He says, go to the village. You're going to find a donkey with a colt with her. Untie him. Bring him to me. Next slide, please. They bring the young donkey. They do it. They brought the donkey, placed their cloaks on him, and Jesus sat on him. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others put branches from trees and spread them on the road. And in 2017, we call it Palm Sunday. But a man 520 years before Christ said that this had to happen. Do you know that if Yeshua, well, that's closer to his name, you, some argue it would have been Yehoshua, but anyway, if Yeshua had rode in on a black horse, do you understand he wasn't Messiah? He wasn't the one they talked about in the Garden of Eden. He wasn't. Because you gotta, you gotta complete all of these things. And I literally could keep going, and I'll show you what I mean. Brian, let's do it. We've done this before. I've got a little document for you. Over 300 things that Jesus had to do, or whoever is going to be Mashiach, the guy in, in Genesis that's going to fix things, let me show you this document of over 300 things he had to do or had to be to be Messiah. And the rule goes like this, folks. If he misses one of them, he's not the Christ. Go home. Find another. 
On the left, we have fulfilled prophecy. Sorry, you can't see it. I'll upload the document, I promise. Come back in if you want to see this. Okay, messianic prophecy, right there. The Old Testament scripture where it's mentioned, and you got the New Testament fulfillment of it. <laughs> Born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. His pre-existence, Micah 5.2. Born of the seed of a woman, Genesis 3.5. Seed of Abraham, all nations blessed. Let's start scrolling. From the tribe of Judah, what town? Again, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us, declared to be son of God. And on the right, again, this is the New Testament where we actually see it. Would be a prophet of the children of Israel, called out of Egypt. Even when they, yeah, when he was a baby and they, they flee Egypt, that was written, Hosea said that. Uh, presented with gifts, rejected by his own. Uh, stone stumbling of Israel, betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver. Not 28, not 32 because of inflation. 30 pieces of silver, keep going, Brian. Bore our sickness, came to bring a sword, not peace. Micah 7, Matthew 10. We're still going. How many pages is that? We got four pages of 12-point font of every messianic prophecy Jesus had to fulfill to be Jesus, to be the Christ. And they're all there. Uh, one of them says they tried to give him vinegar when they were, were murdering him, and he didn't take it. Can you? Okay, so if he took the vinegar, he's not Christ. Because it said they would try to, and he wouldn't do it. People there looked at him. Uh, he cried, Ilahi, Ilahi, Mama Sabatani, which is, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was quoted in Psalms hundreds of years before Christ actually says it. It goes dark over the land when Jesus is about to die. Amos talked about that eight, nine, hundreds of years beforehand. All these things, guys, this is not coincidence. And there are no flaws. Do you understand this? There's not some little elf overseeing the Bible going, ah, scratch that to make it fit Jesus. Do you understand that the people we're talking about right now um, the, the Isaiah, the Amos, the Micah. Do you understand that right now Jews don't believe Jesus is Messiah? Do you understand that? What makes them still Jews? They don't believe Jesus was the Christ. So they're not writing prophecies that are going to point to Jesus. They're not doing him any favors. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? John Lennon said, so this is Christmas? No, so this is Christmas. This is when we find out the Genesis 3 plan. Over 300 mess messianic prophecies. This is crazy. Do you understand that? That's like me shooting a bow and arrow at Mars and hitting a dartboard. There's no odds for it. This one man would come and do all these things flawlessly. Oh, and then appear to hundreds of people three days after they watched him die. Anyway, the orchestra is ready. They're warmed up. The music is starting to swell. And millions of people who have suffered and died and been slaves have cried out, Lord, when are you going to bring us back to yourself? We're overcome with, with hopelessness. When, Lord God, when? And I, and I omitted it from this, but Jesus even says when he's walking and he says to his disciples, you have no idea how many people long to see this day. And they didn't see this day because they kind of just got used to having Jesus around. They didn't understand the scope of things. Do you know how much Isaiah and Micah and Amos and all these guys would have loved to see Jesus? To see what they had seen through their eyes of faith? Are you following me? So this is Christmas, you guys. That day is the climax, the beginning of the most important day in human history. Now, I say that loosely because of Easter, obviously. But it's the day that God revealed just how he was going to bring us, his kids, back to him. How he was going to rescue us from the fallout of what happened in the garden. Make no mistake. Now I want to go on a different, uh, on different tangent. Christmas also proves this. And some of you might not like what I'm about to say. And that gets me up in the morning sometimes. <laughs> I'm a sick man. <laughs> a couple more thoughts about Christmas. Christmas proves to us that creator valued human beings as highest of all creation. It's true. 
follow me on this one. The fact that creator comes into his creation and puts on flesh proves to us that we are the highest valued creation. Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? In other words, if God cared about lions most and came to rescue lions, he would have come as a lion or a meerkat or whatever. Like, make no mistake, put away puppies and kitties and all that for a second. I'm just trying to, to shoot theology here. Plainly put, we could not have started as a fish who grew legs out of primordial ooze and then ended up monkeys who happened to some of us transformed into humans and some of us didn't. These two truths cannot exist together. Do you understand what I'm saying? They cannot exist together. Creator God came and put on flesh and said, you're created in my image. This is, this is my image. And the fact that Jesus was born a human being says that, we are, that we're separate and different from the animals. And some people really struggle with this. And again, I believe that's where macroevolution comes and shows up and is one of the biggest lies out there. And don't come at me like I haven't done the science, y'all, because we'll talk about bacterial flagellum and the, and the Cambrian explosion and things you should know if you truly believe in macroevolution. Go watch Lee Strobel's Case for a Creator when he goes and he, and he interviews the top scientists in their field that are not Christians or anything like this, but they're going, yeah, we've discarded the tree of life. That got discarded in the 70s along with the invention and the advent of the microscope. The fact that God came as a man proves that we did not just, some of us walked out of being monkeys. It, it, it just didn't happen, guys. And you know the reason that we want to cling to that so hard? Is because if we cling to the idea that we just, something from nothing and, and, and weird variations made you you and all the love you feel in your heart, then there's no room for creator. And that's why the ax is still there being ground. Even though the top scientists in the world have signed a document starting in the early 2000s saying, we will not teach the tree of life. Microevolution and variations? Absolutely. Nature changes. Nature adapts. Evolution is real. But to the fact that we all were a singular, single cell piece of fish, it just didn't happen, guys. And you know why they go la, 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 la? Because there's got to be room for creator otherwise. Or here's what I'll do. To any of you who still feel like you're superior, I'm going to quote Stephen Hawking from three weeks ago. Look it up, people. It's the age of the internet. Stephen Hawking is sitting there and he's speaking through his computer. And he's your astrophysicist, man. He's considered one of the smartest people on the planet. And he literally said, go look it up. Don't take my word for it. I'm not here to indoctrinate you. But they said, he was talking about the universes and all that, and he said, there, there really are only two explanations for how things are. There is either intelligent design and creator, or there's unlimited parallel universes and dimensions. That's called the multiverse theory. Have you ever heard of this? In the multiverse, right now, there's a church somewhere with a dog giving a sermon to all the different dogs, and humans are home and they're the pets. No, guys, there's every variation of everything. It's called the 11th dimension. Go look that up. So Stephen Hawking himself said, look, I'm smarter than y'all. This was either created because information can't come from nowhere, or maybe it's this random thing where everything is ever done and it's chaos and, and, and there's this machine that keeps making universes and dimensions. Got to have some sort of out, don't we? As crazy as that one is, because who made the machine that's making the parallel dimensions? <laughs> Anywho, I'm not here to, ax, to, to, to grind any axes. I'm not. I'm just telling you that if Jesus showed up as a baby in Bethlehem and his name is God with us, then God was a person. And what he said, the way we're supposed to relate to animals, to take care of them, to cherish them, to, to, you know, to have dominion over them, then that's the way we're supposed to relate to animals. Not as comrades, not as brothers, as responsible owners of this planet. Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? 
All right. You know what we should do, guys? And this is where I'm going to spend some time, and I'm going to go off my message for a second. I believe that for the, with the animals, we're supposed to learn from animals, too. I do, I do. Okay, so if we believe in creator God, here's the thing. And some of you all, again, there's some people, especially people online, I don't want to come at you right now. I don't like that. I like to think that I was a monkey and I, you know, but I don't. Okay, okay, okay. But if you think you were a monkey, then you have no responsibility to take care of this planet. But if we actually are the apex, if we're the ones who the planet was trusted to us, then we are the ones who need to recycle, take care of the planet and look after animals. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So look at it that way. Look at it that way. If it's evolution, we have no responsibility. Destroy the planet. Oh, we're, the str- we're the fittest. Too bad. But guys, if it's creator God's planet and he's going to come back and check up on what we did with it, stop tearing down the rainforest and start. Okay. <laughs> I'm confused. His, 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 his policies are all over the place. Weird, but they line up with God. And you notice it means more responsibility. So here's what I think we are supposed to do with animals. I think we're supposed to learn from them. Let's, uh, let me take, let me show this picture. Yeah, the wolf picture. It should be right in the schedule. Watch this. We can learn if we're, if we're, we understand. There's a wolf, there's a wolf pack traveling through a reserve. And uh, there was a thing going around, I'll read it to you, and it says this, that um, the first three are the old and sick. They give the, the, the pace to the entire pack, and if it was the other way around, they'd be left behind losing contact with the pack. In case of ambush, they would be sacrificed. But then come five strong ones. See the second pair? The second five right there? Okay. Um, the front line. Their center uh, and the rest of the pack members. Okay, there's the rest of them. Then five strongest following in the back. And, of course, in the far back is the, uh, is the alpha, apparently. And he, uh, he watches over everything. He sees all of the pack and decides where they're going, controls everything from the rear. The pack moves according to the elders' pace and help each other and they watch over each other. And so I did my research. I'm not going to just believe web junk. Some people dispute the fact that the first three are um, the old and the sick. They're thinking that the first one is the alpha female. Big deal. You get the point. I don't care, but I'm giving you truth. And also, you notice something? They're traveling in single file. You notice that? Because it's easier. You paved the way. You paved the way and we'll follow through. We can learn from animals. Let's take responsibility and learn from animals. Um, How about the next one? This was interesting. Uh, How about we can learn from geese? There's a reason they fly in a V. And some of us know it's because because of wind resistance. Oh, yeah. Do you know they're 70% more efficient flying in a, in a V? They can cover 70% more distance. But here's what you might not know. The one in the lead takes the lead, and they're constantly changing the lead because he's the one who's cutting through the air. Okay? And you wonder why they're always honking? We like it as hunters, right? Because we know where they are. <laughs> they're honking because they're actually encouraging the one who's doing the most work. Did you know that? That's why they're honking. They're just encouraging the other one. And look, here's what you get too. You got the leader of the goose, leader number two, right there on the right. The sick goose is right in the center. He, he, this person, won't, this goose, won't be asked to ever take the lead. They're there in the, in the place of good wind resistance. The goose is honking there. This back one, they know that if one goes down or goes astray, they never go down alone. Did you know that? Research indicates that, that they'll pair off. If one gets sick and can't keep up, another one will go with them. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, dude, look it up, man. This is great. You can find out all sorts of, uh, all sorts of cool information about them. I believe we're there to learn from animals, guys. Absolutely. Again, if God came as, as, God came as a human being, and these are, these are the things we learned. So this is Christmas. I got a Matthew slide, don't I? 
because I, I quoted it, but I want to show. There's Matthew. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. This is what I was talking about earlier. Many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but didn't see it and to hear what you hear but didn't hear it. That's why if I do have any ax to grind today, it's this. I don't want Christmas to become mundane. As things get watered down, as the meaning totally gets devoid. I'll tell you what happened. I was really proud of my son the other day. You ever heard of rescue bots? No, no, no. Story bots. You introduced me to story bots, right? <laughs> Whatever. You don't have to like it. I do. Jeez. We got kids. We know. <laughs> story bots answer questions. That's where Alex learned why the sky is blue and um, why you got to brush your teeth. Stuff like this, okay? It's cool. It's educational. Well, they just did a Christmas special. So he was jacked right up. <gasps> Daddy, Christmas special. I was like, oh, it's December-ish. All right. Because, you know, I don't want to do it in October. <laughs> so, whatever, guys. So, um, we're watching it. And at the end, it's Ed Asner. Remember? You ever know who Ed Asner is? Well, he's playing Santa. You know, and with his gruff voice. And he's, well, you know, that's, that's what Christmas is all about. You're right. It's, uh, it's about family and being together. And it's not about the presents. And Alex goes, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, what did you say, Bubba? He goes, Christmas is about Jesus. And I was like, well, yes, yes. I said, Alex, those things too. Don't become that little weirdo. <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I don't think Ed Asner is trying to deflect people. You know what I mean? But this is what we're doing this month is we're not letting it get veered off. Okay. Your family's a gift from Jesus Christ. It's not just chemical reactions over your brain. And you know that somewhere deep down, you really do. And if you don't now, wait till you hold your first kid. Mothers, fathers, hello, can you agree with that? Oh, what a beautiful little accident. <laughs> Come on, guys, that's not the reality of the world. That's not the reality of the world. And you know what, here's another cool thing. Because he came, God with us, and we get to Easter, what we have is not temporary. We get 70, 80 years on this life, maybe even 100. We have the hope of life eternal with this creator God who fixed things because of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, you guys. Um, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I was going to do it. Y'all remember when I did the John reading, the dramatic dun, 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 dun. Have you heard it? Maybe I will do this. Do John 1. Let's do it. This is what I feel Christmas is all about. Some people think Christmas is silent night, right? Or, oh, ain't a manger, no crying he made. Well, who says that? He was a real baby. But in my brain, that's not what Christmas sounds like. I believe Christmas is the beginning of like a Navy SEALs rescue mission where God comes in and rescues his children. So I did this years ago. It's cheesy. I know it's cheesy. You don't have to send me that email. I know it's cheesy. But this is what I think Christmas sounds like. And yeah. And maybe you can show John with it, too, with slides. What do you think? Can you, right? This is Christmas to me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, for grace and truth. <laughs> yes, that's what it sounds like in my head when I read the Bible. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, I made that whole thing. Absolutely. The guitars, the whole nine. I used to own a recording studio. Of course I did that. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me, right? That That's what I feel is Christmas. And again, I know it was cheesy. I don't care. If I could have put F-15s flying over, I would have cannons going off, got 21 gun salutes, the whole nine. Because here's what I understand about Christmas that I want to spread throughout the North Country is that it was a violent rescue mission is what it was. It was creator God going back to his creation. Jesus, that wasn't the first coming of Jesus because through him all things were made. This was his quote unquote second coming. That's him coming back going, all right, all right, let's time, let's time to fix this thing. It's time to fix this thing. I've come to my own, but they didn't recognize me. They made up excuses. They've made up excuses as to where they've come from. They worship sticks. They even do really crazy things to try to connect with the spiritual, but I'm here now. I'm here. And to those who believe in me and believe in my name, I give them the right to become my son, my daughter, and to be with me forever. And so... This is Christmas. Our response is joy to the world. The Lord has come. He's come here for us. Because again, why did he come? For us, right? So that's it. Let's, let's shut it down. This is week number one. I want to challenge you this, this, this Christmas as we're doing it. Christmas is a great time of worship, is it not? You're going to hear songs about Jesus on the radio. What? Let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. Enjoy Christmas. Don't be weird. Don't be weird to your family members. This is a time to show them the love of God and what Christmas is about. Show them in your life. And uh, so what are we going to worship? Okay, thank you for joining us for week number one. We will upload. I will actually do that document in case you want to see it and join us for weeks number two and three to come.